The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. With so many people living longer, the fear of outliving your money becomes a reality for many of us. Will I be a financial burden? Will I outlive my money? How will I be remembered? My name is Neil Himmelstein, president of Main Street Planning Group. Please contact me by visiting MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com or call 631-647-4694. I will introduce you to strategies that will guarantee you will not outlive your money, that can guarantee you will not be a burden on your loved ones. Through a collaborative approach, we will uncover solutions that offer tax-efficient strategies, lifetime income, and legacy planning. Choice, organization, direction, and education. That is the code we stand behind. Contact MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com or call 631-647-4694. And listen to me every Friday at 3 p.m. as I host the Main Street Code for Financial Success right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. I can be heard here every Friday at 3 o'clock, or you can always catch me on Apple or Spotify, or view my website at themainstreetcode.com, and you can pick up some past shows if you happen to miss a show, and I always welcome your questions, uh, anytime regarding any of your planning, whether it's for your business or for your personal. And we work with hundreds of attorneys, accountants, financial advisors across the United States in providing solutions in the areas of insurance, life insurance, long-term care, annuities, disability. Uh, These are the areas we specialize in. And today we have a lovely guest here who's been with us before, but she has a big announcement. She's with a new firm. And it's Cheryl Cazzarato, and Cheryl is now a partner with for Shelley Deegan, Tehran, and LLP. And Cheryl, why don't you say hello and talk a little bit about your firm and, and what you're doing. Sure, Neil. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. It's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am very excited about making partner at one of Long Island's largest and most distinguished full-service law firms. For Shelley Deegan, Tehran, it was founded in 1976, We're about 70 attorneys, and we practice around 20 areas of law, uh, but I still am focusing on trusts and estates with a strong focus on trusts and estate litigation. So uh, thanks again for having me. No, thank you. And, you know, um, a lot of people are scared to go to attorneys because um, they think they're on a clock. Um, And particularly when it's trusts and estates and wills and they're talking about their personal stuff, they they, they, they they feel pressured. They, they're, they're worried. And that's what I like about you, Cheryl, is that um, you're going to ask those personal questions, you're, but, but you're going to, you know, with compassion and, and discovery, you'll work with the client together. You're not on a clock and there's no pressure. And I think that's very important. Neil, it's really important to make sure your clients feel comfortable with you. And, and what I say to my clients is I'm a counselor at law, but I mean, it has the word counselor in it. And these clients whether they're planning for their future or they lost a loved one and they're in a dispute regarding the loved one's assets, it's a difficult time all around for your clients. So it's very, very important to make sure they feel safe and comfortable in your presence. Right. And I think that one of the things that you do and with your firm does, you're in the initial planning stages, but quite often your firm and other firms rely on you to litigate when things go wrong because... 
you know, just because you have a will doesn't mean uh, everything goes right. There's a lot of misconceptions about a will. And you were telling me, you know, before we were talking, you know, there's there's five big misconceptions. And I know of a bunch that have happened in my own life, but, but tell me what those conceptions are, that or misconceptions are, about just having a will. Yeah, so I've been in the, the trust and estates practice for about 10 years now. And as the years pass, you see the same issues constantly repeat themselves. Uh, you know, for example, a very common one is the reading of the will. So after somebody dies... I am contacted by potential clients, and they say, Cheryl, I can't believe it. There was no reading of the will. And, you know, honestly, in New York State, there is no requirement to have a reading of the will. Is that something you've heard before, Neil? Uh, Yeah, I've heard that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then another one is, uh, this one's big, wills, after you prepare them and sign them, they're not filed with the court while you're alive. Right. So that's huge. It is. It is. And I actually went with an attorney to a congressman and we talked about that, that there should be some sort of filing. And I know personally the problems that creates uh, with friends and family. Uh, Wills get lost or they're not notarized, so they're not viable. Um, Tell me about if you can't find the will. I mean, tell me some of the horror stories you know about, because I know a bunch personally. (laughs) I mean, there are, there are, unfortunately are so many horror stories. I mean, this is why, and that's another you know common misconception is that you can just probate, have a lost will or a copy of a will declared valid by a court. And what I say to clients is a will is just a piece of paper until a judge says it's valid. And if you don't have that original, one original will filed with the courthouse, you have a very difficult time having that copy declared valid because in New York, it's presumed to be revoked if you don't have the original. So that's why it's a problem that wills aren't filed with the court during life. Um, But there is. There's a ton of possible legislation out there to change the laws in New York. But one way around this and to ensure your will isn't lost is most trusts and estates attorneys who prepare wills, and this is what I always do, is the law firm holds on to the one original. And that way, the law firm knows it's safe. And in New York, if the law firm loses the one original, it's very, very simple and straightforward for that law firm to file documents with the court saying, oh, no, it wasn't revoked. I had it last, and I lost it, which, you know, it rarely happens. But it's one way around the common misconception that wills are are filed in the courthouse yeah but what but and it also has to be notarized correctly right well actually in new york state um and and this is actually goes into another common misconception that you could do a will yourself Uh, a lot of people try and do them yourself online and in new york there is a specific ceremony that must be followed and if that ceremony that strict ceremony isn't followed the will may be deemed invalid by the judge after death. So interestingly, a will actually doesn't require a notary. It requires two witnesses Witnesses, who are disinterested. And the testator, the person signing the will, must declare to these witnesses, witnesses, this this is my will. I want you to witness me signing this will. Please watch me sign this will. They watch the testator, the person signing, sign the will. Then they sign the will. Um, The notary comes into play 
because typically there's a document attached to the will. It's called an affidavit, a sworn statement that the witnesses sign. That document requires a notary public. But this is not something that is straightforward or easy to do. Even if you could pull up the form on the computer, that doesn't mean that the ceremony, the New York State ceremony, is being adhered to because unless you know what it is and you follow the EPTL, the New York State law, it may not be a valid will at the end of the and, day. And, and, and for those that want to do it yourself, there's a big, big problem with this. And what if you change your will? What if you, you know, decide, well, I don't want to leave it to this person. I want to leave my stuff to that person. And it could be changed multiple times. And then which is the right one? Yeah, this is, this is one of the most common issues about redoing a will without an attorney. Because if you have a relationship with an attorney, and every five years or so, which is what I recommend to my clients, every five years or when there's a major life change, for example, marriage, divorce, children, death, incapacity, you should meet with your attorney, and then they will have a clear record as to what your final last will and testament actually is. Right, and let's let's get to the not-so-technical that's so, so important. And I, I just want to relate a story with my own mother, okay? So my mom um, had some jewelry, okay? We were one of five, I'm one of five boys, only four were remaining, you know, when my mother had passed. Nobody could find her jewelry after she passed. And I know she had two different diamond rings, one she wanted to, you know, we're a family of all boys. I was one of five boys. <laughs> I was the baby. And... I know that my daughter and one of my brother's daughters were the first two girls to break the string of boys that we had, and she wanted them each to have one of her diamond rings that she had. Uh, but then she had other jewelry. Some of it was really nice. Some of it was costume. I don't know what it was, but it was. we thought it was in a safe deposit box. It wasn't. Nobody really worried about it. Nobody cared about it. I don't know if nobody cared about it, but, you know, oh, it was nice. And then she had passed, and my father lived on past her. Well, we found it mm-hmm. years later after my father had passed. And I'm going to tell you that story right after the break because we're getting ready for a break. But I want to continue that story because I think it's very relevant about your personal stuff. You're listening to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. If you ever want to reach out, I'm at 631 647 4694 and I'm with Cheryl Katzerata and what is your phone number if they want to reach out to you Cheryl? Give me my direct line it's 516-812-6301 and we'll be right back after a commercial thanks again folks and look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm here today with my guest, Cheryl Katzerata, who is with Forcelli Deegan Tirana LLP in Uniondale. And she is a terrific trust and estates attorney who does litigation. And she also does some planning. And we've done some planning together, which, which I love. And you know what? what's great when we do planning together? We will, you know, sometimes... When you're doing your planning, you're not thinking of a lot of things. Oh, I wish I thought of it. I wish I thought of that. Oh, I wish I... You know what? After you're gone, all those great thoughts you had are gone. So (laughs) I highly recommend that you take the time 
and we do it right. And when you work with Cheryl and you work with me and you work with us together, oh my God, what a crazy combination. <laughs> because we're going to find out some of those things that you think you want to do and some of those things that you may not be thinking about. We're going to ask you those questions. We're going to bring that out because once you've experienced what's going wrong with wills and trusts and everything else, you know what to anticipate so that things don't go wrong in the future. So before the break, I was talking about uh, what happened with my mother. So she had all this jewelry, and there was four boys remaining. And after my father had died, I spent the night in the house uh, where my parents were in Baltimore. And we had thought it was gone. My father had home care workers. We thought, oh, they stole all the jewelry. Uh, my father certainly wasn't a guy for jewelry. My father was, he didn't even, you know, he didn't like to dress up. He, he wanted to wear shorts to my mother's funeral. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you my father, you know, that's who he was. It's, you know, he was veterinarian, very successful, but he was not a, he was not a put on a suit kind of guy. Anyhow, so I find this big bag of jewelry and both my brother and I knew that we might, our daughters wanted specific rings that my mother had told them about. Now, they were big diamonds, they were of value, and it could have created controversy, but all the brothers agreed, yes, they get those. And then we had a big bag of jewelry. Now, my brothers live in four different states, and but we all got together in Connecticut, and we sat around in a room. The first they played golf. I don't play golf. It's, you know, I have the one brother wants to teach me and the other one's saying, ooh, that's good. And I'm like, ah, I, I don't like that. And, and my brother's very competitive. We all wrestled when we were kids. We were all like, you know, taught macho, you know, and it's so competitive. And I'm like, this is why I don't want to play golf with them. I don't want to play a sport that I can't win or I have no control over, <laughs> you know, so, but they're all golfers. And so, but anyhow, then we all sat down and we took this bag of jewelry out without the wives in the room and we laid it out. We laid all the jewelry out, costume or otherwise, and we went around and everybody picked one. Now that was a good resolution to what could have been a major, major problem Absolutely. for a lot of people. I've seen people, I'm sure you have, that fight over the littlest things, like who's got mom's ashes? Neil, the stories I can tell you really are just so sad and preventable. Um, and I'll tell you a quick story. It actually wasn't my case, but it was one of my close colleagues' cases. And the family is fighting over a three-carat ring. Back and forth, back and forth, three carat, three carat. I want the three carat ring. This went on for months and months and months. And my colleague said, thousands upon thousands of dollars are expended fighting over this three carat ring. Ultimately, they come to a settlement agreement and the attorney prepares it a three carat ring, a carat. The client looks at the agreement and goes, sir, you, you spelled carat wrong. It's supposed to be C-A-R-R-O-T. And he goes, no, no, that's not the way you spell a three-carat ring. He goes, oh, no, that's the way you spell this three-carat ring. It was a plastic ring with three carats. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I am serious. And it was handed down in the family for generations, and it was very sentimental. And that story has gone through the trust oh. states community for years as an example of what can happen. And it seems 
ridiculous to attorneys and professionals and maybe to our listeners. But when there's something that significant in your family and you want to make sure it goes to the right person, that is something you either do during life or you ensure there are appropriate documents in place to make sure that piece of jewelry or property goes where it needs to go. See, and it's so important because people assume everybody's nice Everybody loves one another. They come to family. And, oh, everybody loves. But at the end of the day, um, you don't want squabbling. You don't want fighting. You know, I know people who don't talk to their brothers and sisters forever now yeah. because of these kind of squabbles. And sometimes it's bigger things. Okay, I also know a lot of situations where the family starts having problems because. Okay, mom is alone, and who's taking care of her? Well, one child, usually it's the daughter, ends up being the main caregiver. I just say usually, it's not always, but or, or it could be a son, but the other two kids don't participate, exactly. or the one kid doesn't participate, and you get friction. And then all of a sudden, mom has some assets, she has some cash. Well, I should get it. I've been taking care of mom for five years, and you've done nothing. Do you find that? Neil, it's, it's every day, almost every single day. <laughs> every and day. I have about a hundred cases on my desk and I would say at least a third of those are that exact fact pattern. Right. So not doing the planning or not speaking, even if you've done a will or you've done some little trust work, you have to review it, but you got to think about the little things. It's not just the paper. And that's why you go to a big law firm and, uh, oh, they're going to draw the will. And they're going to do the trust. They're going to do the healthcare proxy. They're going to, everybody talks about all these documents and documents and documents. It doesn't mean a damn thing if you don't take care of the little things. And if you're not thinking about it, talk to someone like Cheryl or myself and say, have you thought about this? Exactly. Because if you haven't thought about it, and, and probably you haven't thought about it because you would assume that, oh, the kids get along, everything's great, they'll work it out. No, they're not going to work it out. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. They're great now, but let me tell you, I've seen ugliness in so many, so many people and families, and it's, it's just terrible. But if you do the right thing up front, it's not just the documents. It's looking at the little things. And another thing I want to talk about, when you're doing estate planning now, one of the things that have changed dramatically with social media and computers and passwords and checking accounts and bank accounts is protecting your passwords, but making sure the right people have them, that your state does. I mean, this is so big, right? It's huge. It's it's forming, it's this huge area of law that's forming surrounding uh, electronic media and social media and bank accounts. And there's so much pending legislation around this topic. And I could probably do an entire radio show on this specific topic. But it is very important to ensure that, you know, the person you're appointing as an executor under your will knows how to access your property, where to access it where your assets are, where your passwords are, because little things like that are things that people don't think about all the time. Or or we just had a situation where someone passed away and the beneficiary has no access to the bank account. Always. It's, it's and, or, so common. Or, or, you know, and here's the biggest, the biggest thing. 
when when a will's not done right and a trust is not done right, here's the biggest issue. If it goes to probate and everything goes to probate, I know lawyers love probate because that's where and that's where you shine. But I mean, that's where the real money is spent between accountants and attorneys. After after you're gone, that's where the real cost is if you don't prepare. Because once it goes to probate, you have a judge dictating where things go. And you have no say saying, well, that's not what I wanted because you're not around to talk about it. So all of a sudden, that's where the fights go in when it goes into probate. And that could take years. I know a case 20 some years. I mean, that could take forever. So if you need that money to do whatever you need to do, good luck. That's a problem. So we advocate doing your wills, doing your trust, doing doing the proper planning so that you don't have to pay Cheryl later the big bucks <laughs> to, to straighten it all out. You're listening to The Main Street Code. This is Neil Himmelstein. I can always be reached at 631-647-4694. I welcome your questions, your comments, and your help. And Cheryl, how can they get a hold of you? My direct number is 516 516- Thank you, everybody. Have a terrific day. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.